Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Bynus, and I'm a psychiatrist. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Jonathan Eanes. I'm a psychiatric PA. All right. So this is episode uh, number two in a series on ADHD. And today we're going to be talking about products and techniques uh, to help manage ADHD symptoms. And uh, we have some interesting ways because, you know, in reality, ADHD primarily is uh, treated with medication. And while Jonathan and I are not anti-medication, we also realize there are so many other things that you can do for treating ADHD. And Jonathan, what, what's the problem if we just focus on medication to manage ADHD versus kind of looking at it in a more holistic uh, way? Well, the the first problem is that it's uh, it doesn't work for everybody, right? And if you're not if you're not giving pe- people multiple solutions to the same thing, then you're not really giving them um, all of the available solutions for them to split test, right? And as a result, you may be living maybe leaving uh, multiple uh, potential therapeutic uh, strategies on the table that they just don't really have the awareness that exists, right? And there are definitely cases where I've had patients be on stimulant medication and patients not be on stimulant medication, but really focus on a lot of these more holistic strategies and have been able to manage their symptoms uh, in a way that is um, sufficient for their needs. Now, are there any potential risks to just taking medications as far as side effects, et cetera? Yeah, the, absolutely. So when we're talking about stimulants, specifically the ones like uh, like Adderall or Ritalin, uh, these definitely have a, a strong abuse potential. You know, they're classified as a Schedule II medication. For many of you may know, right, Adderall, the generic, is actually amphetamine, levoamphetamine, or mixed amphetamine salts. So it's uh, these are serious medications. And um, while those risks often can be mitigated, via multiple different strategies, uh, they they still have the potential for abuse and dependence. Um, however, we also also see a risk of cardiovascular events with these medications, right? They tend to be vasoconstricting, they tend to increase blood pressure and pressure and heart rate. And so, uh, while not as much of an issue in kids, you know, especially in adult in the adult population with those with uh, either a current cardiac any sort of cardiac problem or a family history, we have to be particularly cautious. Hypertension, et cetera. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, we also, you know, we tend to treat a lot of patients with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia, and uh, you know, excessive dopamine uh, produced by these medications uh, we know can cause very serious, uh, catastrophic sometimes results a manic sometimes. episode or even. Be part of maybe causing a psychotic episode. So yeah, those are really important. One other question I have for you is: uh, Have you seen a tolerance that can sometimes develop in in people over time? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in in my uh, in my experience, a lot of times that tolerance of sorts seems to develop very rapidly at those lower doses. And as we increase the doses, it does seem to slow down somewhat. But for people that have been on these medications, sometimes it doesn't even take more than a year, right, to, to get them up to max dose. Um, and so, so as a result of that, like I've, I've 
kind of substantially change the way in which I prescribe these medications over time to help to mitigate that tolerance effect. And so uh, I've I've found a lot of those mitigating strategies to be quite successful in being able to keep people on those lower doses while still simultaneously being effective. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting because you you start wondering if someone's like on a max dose of medication, ADHD medication for like twenty years, how much is that really you know benefiting at that point? Of course, when you take it away, then <laughs> then then yes, it's really going to cause an issue. But um, is it really helping beyond what they would have been at baseline without? So it, it, these are some, sometimes questions. I think all the more reason why we need to look at this very holistically and realize like to get best outcomes for people's lives, we really need to use a holistic approach. So yeah, let's go ahead and dive into some ways uh, to actually uh, address ADHD beyond medication. Sure. So um, just for you guys listening, this is definitely not a comprehensive approach of all of the holistic strategies or products that exist on the market today. You know, if you're on you know, uh, any sort of social media site and you've looked up ADHD in Google and so it's started tracking you in your history, um, you're going to start getting advertisements for all sorts of different products that exist out there. And so some of those we will also cover in future episodes, but today we wanted to focus more on like apps and technology uh, and and whatnot. And so uh, the first type of or suite of apps is the task and information organization type apps. So this would include things like calendars and to-do lists. So, Dr. Bannis, why might that those types of apps be, uh, apps be useful uh, for people uh, with ADHD? Well, a core element of ADHD is that disorganization. And so figuring out how can I get it organized can be very challenging because that executive function deficit. And so uh, having an app uh, or some sort of organizational strategy that really makes it as simple as possible can go a long ways uh, to helping to stay on track and uh, rather than kind of going this way or that way. And you know, um, a physical calendar, right, um, or a whiteboard or something like that often is better, especially if technology, you know, say it's on your phone or your computer, that tends to be very distracting for you. Uh, but part of part of the problem with those is it's often difficult to carry those around with you, right? right? <laughs> and so especially if you tend to be fairly forgetful, um, it's nice to have something that's that's in the app form that's you know, with you wherever you go that you can easily access it so that you're not uh, forgetting those important uh, things that you otherwise need to remember. Otherwise, you're going to end up carrying more and more bags around you with you everywhere <laughs> you go, right? And I've yeah. seen some of these patients where it's like they'll come in with like three different bags. And I'm like, okay, what, what is, <laughs> are we shopping here? But you know, not to make make fun of them, but it's just like it starts to be a, a little much. And and having all these calendars, etc., um, even though the, it can be helpful can get confusing in and of itself. And so sometimes technology can help to hone uh, those strategies a little better. Yeah, my preferred app at the time, and unfortunately, I, I don't think it's, um, it's there's a little bit of a waiting list to get on it, but it's called Routine. Um, and it's a, it's a very useful calendar plus to-do task uh, manager uh, all into one, and it synchronizes across my devices. It makes it very easy. Uh, one of the problems that I've always had with many of these apps is they're not super fluid. Whenever I have the thought of something I need to do later, getting it, getting it into whatever it is is that I'm, you know, uh, the app that I'm using at the time, right? So if there's a lot of resistance to me putting in uh, that task that I want to do, then oftentimes I'll just say, eh, like I'll 
I'll just try to remember it this time, right? And so I want it to be as easy as possible to put it into my uh, my app, right? So that it's it's there for when I need it. And yeah. is is routine easy to put in or not? It's so it's much? very easy to oh, put yeah, in. All good. it takes is um, you know me opening up my phone or on my my computer. There's actually just a shortcut uh, that basically I, I click a couple of buttons and it pops up. It sort of supersedes everything on my Mac, and then I can easily just type it in. And what's another nice thing about this particular app is it uses um, natural language processing, which uh, essentially means that you can type in do such and such a task on this particular day or in two weeks or remind me every month for the next year. Right? You can say those types of phrases and it'll do that so you don't have to be inundated with trying to remember these other things mm-hmm. when you don't need them to be there. Right? So like, you can, like pay my credit card every right, month Right, exactly. Or something like that. So if, if, if that's not something you need to think about 30 or 29 days out of the month, then you really only want to see it on one day out of the month. And mm-hmm. so you know, we can utilize technology to to these means, um, so we can get rid of a lot of the unnecessary things that we need to remember because it's going to be very efficient for that. Yeah, and that frees up uh, our brains to think about the task at hand rather than thinking about all the million things that we have to do yeah. in, the, in the next few days or whatever. So there's a few other ways that you can go about it. You know, many people that have Android, you can use Google Calendar plus Google Tasks, right? That would be able to do it. Or Apple Calendar plus Apple Reminders. That could also be, you know, a sufficient system. Um, or like I mentioned before, having a paper journal plus like a physical calendar slash a whiteboard calendar. Those are all perfectly reasonable. Um, I just like routine because it combines them into one uh, and it's very Sort of aesthetic looking, so that's really helpful for um, in, information as far as like organizing, etc. What about remembering things? Yeah, so there's this concept called the building a second brain, um, and uh, you know it's it's uh, a concept that. Had had I known about it in college, and or I should just say throughout my academic career, I think it have really changed my life in in, in very positive ways. Because uh, there's so much that we do, there's so much information, especially in in this age, uh, living in the information age that we're exposed to, that we actually would like to have access to. And if you're not repeatedly exposed to that information, and you're not intentional about doing so, then you're just going to forget it. Exactly. Right? And so this concept of building a second brain was using apps, uh, using technology as a means of easily storing and organizing that information so that in the future if you needed to access it you could right and so um, it's 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 uh, you know at this point there are many individuals out there that have 10 to 15 years worth of data right that is kind of stored that is easily accessible to them at any point in the future wow. when they need to access it and so it it makes um, there are very specific use cases and when in which that can be really really nice right? that help me remember Spanish better <laughs> I'm Maybe, struggling yeah, with that probably <laughs> probably <laughs> um, but my 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 personal app of choice is an app called Notion and uh, this app is uh, think of it as like the uh, the folders uh, app or I should say the full yeah the the folders of your uh, MacBook or your Windows, but just like on steroids. Um, it's mm. a, your ability to organize, your ability to add files, your ability ability to create tables, uh, your ability to um, create links of information between multiple. So, like for example, 
they have a feature where, say, you're you're writing up a document that incorporates the topic of ADHD. You can actually um, create a hyperlink with the topic of ADHD that will then link to all the other pages that you have in your database about that particular topic, mm. right? And so, so you know, the brain—that's how it builds its memories—is by creating links uh, between the between the different uh, you know pieces of information that you have. And so, in a second way, uh, or I should say, in another, in a, in a way. Like this is really taking that idea of that second brain to another level because you can start creating uh, links of information, um, you know, in in the app mm. itself. So it's really it's a really really cool um, app that is uh, just continuing to get developed and uh, just has so many different use cases. Oh, that's really neat, and uh, I could, I've always thought I could use a second brain. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, a lot of people do use uh, Evernote as well. That's been around for a really long time. I don't find it quite as streamlined or quite as comprehensive as Notion, but um, either of those are perfectly reasonable. And what about for planning? So when we talk about like family planning, you know, this would be things like chores, groceries. So we're not talking about number of kids here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> no, we're not talking about that. However, that is an important thing to to definitely consider. But I'm, sh- I'm sure there's an app out there for it. <laughs> so I've had many women, especially you know, uh, women that are stay at home moms, for example, uh, with ADHD, and they just have such a hard time with a lot of the organization of the chores, right? And so. So there's there's a number of apps out there like Cozy, for example, is a family planning app where you can create calendars and you can synchronize it with the other members of the family. So say you have kids and you've added chores to their list, right? If your kids, say, have um, the app as well, right? If they're, say, in high school and they've got phones already, then they'll get a notification saying, hey, mom wants you to do this particular chore. And then the the, the parent can kind of check in and and make sure that it's been done. So it easily makes sort of assigning things in the family um, uh, or I should just say a simpler process. Mm-hmm. In addition, you can also store like recipes in there. You can have the family calendar for say like uh, sports games and or sports practice, just so you and your partner are on the same page, right? So it, it, it all the all the sort of various yeah. tasks that you might think in a family. Um, this is an app that could be definitely and, useful and, for and that. And will they uh, will the app recommend? Uh, Disciplinary actions uh, for the for the kids when they don't uh, complete the chores. You know, I found another one. It's not cozy specifically, but it does it does do something along those lines where you have chores and then um, you are assigned a certain number of points based on whether you do the chore and negative points if you don't. And then after you've achieved so many points, then um, the the parents will assign like a reward associated with those points. Wow. Right. So you might you might think uh, taking out the trash. Is uh, you know twenty five points, and you need a hundred uh, to get an hour of video game time or something like that, right? right. Mm-hmm. And and if you don't do it, then you're docked <laughs> points. Uh, and so it's a, it's sort of a gamified way, if you will, of you know trying to keep things fair, um, keep things relatively organized, and to incentivize you know kids with uh, this reward system for for um, you know doing certain things. So oh, I'm sorry, I don't remember the app, but um, but it is it is out there. If you if you look hard enough, you'll be able to find. It. Um, a couple others to consider. Uh, Remember the milk um, is essentially just a grocery uh, list organizer. You, I think you can store um, you can store a meal meal plans and stuff in there. And Sweepy is is one that was actually rec- recommended to me by a patient um, that she had ADHD and she was having a really difficult time um, organizing how she should go about. 
uh, doing the chores in the household. And so this, this, uh, these apps, many of these apps can actually, um, you know, they'll they'll sort of uh, be a uh, routine of sorts with different tasks that you have to do um, throughout the throughout the the month, so to speak, right? And so maybe every two weeks it'll remind you, hey, you need to clean the bathroom. Right? Every other every week uh, it reminds you that you need to clean out the kitty litter box, right? Or you need to you know dust um, you know the windowsills or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's another. You know, another way to kind of get rid of all the stuff you have to think about, and then it only comes to you when you actually need to get it done. All right. So, any other uh, areas of of apps, and and I suppose um, habits would be uh, another area, right? Yeah, uh, habit tracking apps. There's a myriad of them, so I don't really specifically have like a recommendation. But especially if you're if if there are some very identifiable habits that are going to be life-changing to you that if you can stick with it over the long term is going to um, really uh, propel you in uh, in your life in a meaningful way. So a simple one might be reading 30 minutes a day, something that's not, you know, not, or so, I should say a nonfiction book, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a self-help book or a business-related book or something. If that, if that is going to really move the needle in your life, then having a habit tracker can be a really m- motivational way, right? Because you don't want to lose your streak often, um, but it can also just be a really good reminder because many of these apps will remind you on the daily, like, hey, have you done this thing today? Right, and some of them also have this social component, so you and your friends can kind of all see like how how well you're doing, um, you know, on on your habits, and so uh, these can these can definitely be you know really good motivate motivating and organization tools. Thank you, and you know one of the biggest challenges that a lot of people with ADD have, especially uh, when it's related to uh, students, is studying. Right. Yep. So, talk a little bit about uh, things that people can do to improve their Ability to focus uh, when it comes to academics. So, a few apps that um, I've used. You know, when I was going through school, uh, you know, when you're when you're studying, especially a really challenging topic, it's amazing to me uh, the other things that you all of a sudden find interesting. And uh, and so, you know, a little self disclosure: when I was in PA school and I was uh, prepping for maybe my OBGYN exam, um, all of a sudden used cars looked really appealing to me. <laughs> and so I'd spend uh, spend too much time just looking at used cars. So um, so you know, using whether you have ADHD or not, like a lot of times, especially especially if it's a really hard task uh, that you're uh, that say requires you to be on a computer and there's so many things that you could get distracted by using some of these apps can be really useful. So Forest is a, is an iPhone and Android app I believe and what's kind of unique and sort of playful about this app is that you grow a tree based or you grow a plant based on the time that you don't touch your phone. Right, mm. <laughs> and so so as soon as you swipe away from the app, it'll say your your plant is going to die. Right, you must go back to the app right away. And for a lot of people, it's it's that in and of itself is like you don't want to kill your plant, right? right? <laughs> Even though it's you know digital, and we all know it's not real, uh, but it is. It can still be sort of motivating, Just a motivating factor, right? right? <laughs> to to avoid using your device and getting distracted by it. Um, there's so Freedom is a is an app that you can use as a web browser extension. So you can go in there and you can sort of. Set timers for uh, use of particularly distracting apps, or you can just block certain uh, websites altogether. Right? Um, Self control is the one that I used, and this one was really this one uh, was very effective because you would you would set you'd 
um, you'd plug in there all the all the websites and apps that you wanted to be blocked, um, and there was no way to stop it once you had started the timer. So mm. say I started the timer for eight <laughs> hours, right? Because I wanted to be studying for that amount of time. Even if I deleted the app from my MacBook, uh, all of the things that I initially set were still were still wow. present, right? <laughs> and so um, I use that uh, often prior to you know uh, prior, or I should say, the day before an exam, because I just I didn't want to waste any time, you know, with with uh, you know these these uh, distracting websites and stuff. And then uh, Pomod- the Pomodoro technique. There's a lot of timers out there that you can use, but the Pomodoro technique is essentially um, where you where you basically schedule study times with uh, short breaks. So often you'll see like 30 minutes on, 10 minutes off, right? So you study for 30 minutes, you set a timer for 30 minutes. Once that goes off, you stop studying and you take a 10 minute break, right? Or maybe maybe you're doing kind of a longer bout, right? So maybe you've done a couple couple um, sections of that and then after you've done that a few times, maybe you'll take a longer 30 minute or an hour break, right? So uh, those can definitely be useful uh, for going in short bursts and then also taking uh, you know the necessary uh, rest and recuperation. Yeah, and I think that's really helpful when it comes to studying to realize that our brain does need those breaks to actually function optimally. Now we've covered a lot of different apps, um, and of course, one one question that comes up for me is like we've. We were talking about how media can be a distraction. Of course, you've mentioned how some of these apps can actually help to just keep <laughs> from distracting from media. But you know, if if I have ADHD and I'm thinking about now, there's wow, you know, twenty plus. I'm sure there's tons of different mm-hmm. apps to help. I could get distracted with trying like all these. How do you actually even start? With any of this, no, that's a that's a great question, and you know, hopefully, you know, the way in which we've you know we're we're discussing about, um, or I should say, the the breakdown that we're discussing these in mm-hmm. uh, will help you f- kind of think about which one's going to be most relevant for you, right? If you are not um if you're not a parent, um, if you're just say a college student, probably having the um you know the the whole home sort of organizer or the family planning one that's not going to be particularly useful for you mm-hmm. right but you may you may definitely want to use say notion um, plus maybe a calendar plus a to-do list app or something like that right and so and it's always best to start with one and see how that and, and see how that can incorporate into your life and really get comfortable with using that product mm-hmm. um, and over time you know if it if it's not Really serving you, but you're giving it a fair shot. Then no, I mean, there's no, there's no downside to just dumping it and yeah. say moving on. But a quick, a quick Google search of best apps for you know uh, productivity, organization, or, or, or studying, or, uh, studying. Right? There's going to be a lot of examples that'll come up. So kind of looking at the biggest pain point and then maybe addressing that first and going from there. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, another another type of technology that I think is uh, really fascinating is called binaural beats. So binaural beats, and uh, I'll spell that for you real quick, just because not a lot of people know how it's spelled. But that's B I N A U R A L. So binaural beats are um, uh, basically they're they're actually an audi- auditory illusion uh, that occurs when two different tones at slightly different frequencies are played into each ear. So essentially, it creates the sound of like a a, a sine wave or a frequency. Right, and the idea there is it's supposed to 
not only both stimulate, but also synchronize with the frequencies of electrical activity that the brain puts out. And so there are different levels of, uh, I should say, brain waves that are produced during different sort of states of consciousness. And so if you're really sort of activated and anxious, you're gonna, your, your brain waves are going to be at a different frequency. If you're really sleepy and sedated, they're going to be at a completely different frequency. And so they found that there's a particular frequency that's most useful for those that are trying to stay focused. And that's about 40 hertz. So there's a lot of apps out there that um, you know might focus on uh, being used for focus, for studying, um, others that are used for more creative thinking, others that are used more for getting you prepped for sleep or relaxation. Um, and you know, it's also been studied uh, in in how it affects dopamine, and we've seen that it can increase the striatal le- striatal levels of dopamine, which, um, as as sort of implied, helps improve motivation and focus. Um, I found that in my personal use of binaural beats, it really helps me get in the in sort of that flow state much quicker than when I don't use it, and then I find that um, my I'm I'm far less dis distracted in that state when I have it going. So it, it helps me sustain that degree of focus for longer durations. Would some some of our listeners might be concerned like the oh is this kind of like a hypnotic sort of beats um, but from what I'm hearing it's actually the opposite that it, it, instead of kind of making you zone out more it's actually making you zone in more. Absolutely. And able to focus better. Yeah, and and it's not the most pleasing thing to listen to, <laughs> right? Uh, it's it's sort of a humming sound. Now there are definitely there are um, there are programs out there, apps out there, songs or YouTube videos, right? That uh, where they basically take the binaural beat and they superimpose it with more melodic type sort of elevator music, if you will. And so that can also be helpful, especially if you find the the beat itself to be somewhat jarring. Uh, but those have definitely those have been shown to not be as effective, and so you know if that's if that's all you can really handle, then a lot of times what I do is I, I'll put maybe like some rain noise or something actually over the binaural beat, and that makes it a little bit more of a um, less sort of obnoxious sound. Uh, but you definitely don't want the sound to be too loud; like it shouldn't be giving you a headache. Uh, but you know, at at sort of a mid level uh, um, intensity, you know that that often is what works really well for a lot of people. Anything else on study t- study tips? Yeah, the another thing is uh, using flashcards. I don't know a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people have kind of complaints about flashcards, and I do too. But um, one, in my opinion, one of the most useful uh, tools that that one can uh, use to assimilate information in a very efficient way is what's called spaced repetition. And so spaced repetition is where you are exposed to information at increasing intervals over time. So let's just say there's a concept that you learn in class and you really need to know that concept, but you also want it to be ingrained into your long-term memory. So you learn you learn it the day of class, you write it down on a flashcard, and then the app that I used you know, in school was Anki. And so Anki basically has the spaced repetition baked in. And so you'll see it the first day, you'll study it, and you'll keep studying it until you get it right. Right. And then that you'll see it the next day. And if you miss it, 
then it, then you see it again the day the day later. If you get it right, then you see it like three to five days later, mm. right? And then if you get it right again, then you see it maybe a week or two weeks later, right? And so it just gets longer and longer and longer. And so this is really the most efficient way uh, for you to learn a particular concept. And so you know, I found this incredibly incredibly effective um, in many of my um, my classes in school. And there's a couple others like Brainscape and Quizlet. Uh, these are other really good flashcard apps. But personally, at least for for medicine, um, for language learning, I think Anki is uh, you know uh, definitely the best option. So um, another area of um, intervention that's holistic is uh, supplements. We're not going to spend um, any real time talking about uh, that in this episode. We will dive into that in more detail uh, in subsequent episodes. And just to uh, let our viewers know as a teaser, there is a lot that can be done actually with supplements and it's pretty exciting. So let's uh, talk about a few other techniques uh, that are holistic, different than medications uh, to address ADHD. Uh, yeah. Um, so the first one that I think is worthy of mentioning, uh, particularly for those that tend to forget very important items, lose a lot of things. Yeah. So <laughs> keys, uh, I think wallets, right? These these types of what things. About phones. Phones. Uh, luckily, most phones have GPS. So okay. as long as you have somebody else, uh, like in around you, that um, you know you can access maybe your Apple ID or whatnot, then you should be able to find it. But um, but you know things like. Keys in particular and and wallets, those tend to be uh, the most, I should say, uh, problematic if you lose yes. for a lot of my, uh, especially for a lot of my individuals with ADHD, because it it tends to happen more often than sort of the the average individual. I lost my wallet again. <laughs> I've heard that several times. Yes. So uh, my my favorite way to manage this is to use either uh, the, like the Apple AirTag. If you're not in the Apple ecosystem, then a Tile is another really good product. And these are basically just GPS chips that you can attach to to various devices. Um, some people even use. Them them to attach to say their cats, you know, or their dogs, or right? Their so they children, can maybe. Or their children, <laughs> maybe. I don't Hopefully know. Probably. Not. <laughs> um, um, I, I have actually. I do have a patient. Um, he has slipped it into his father's. Uh, coat pocket because the, his father has dementia, uh, and so he's well, often he's yeah. often leaving the house, wandering you know miles away, makes him difficult to find. So since since uh, I recommended uh, a couple months ago, I recommended that he do this um, every time his father has left, he's been able to find him. So. Um, but uh, th- those are those are some great options. Um, kind of switching gears, we did want to talk about maybe a, a little bit more of a unique uh, thing to consider, and this takes a little bit of explanation. But um, I do want to give credit where credit's due. I uh, originally heard about this on the Andrew Huberman pro- podcast, and he's actually a neuroscientist at Stanford. Uh, so he introduced me to this idea during one of his ADHD episodes. And so the idea is, um, or I should say, it's it's a discussion on blinking and how blinking affects the perception of time as well as dopamine. And when used appropriately, uh, modulating your blinking to a particular degree can increase dopamine and therefore increase focus. So one one thing that he, or one analogy sort of used is whenever you blink, it's kind of like the uh, setting of a scene, right? Whenever you say sort of action, right? Or you close the curtain. 
And um, by by doing that, you're sort of resetting the brain's interpretation of time. And so the degree or the ra- uh, the rapidness at which you blink is going to uh, make your perception of how how long right the time interval is sort of change. So, uh, for example, like when you're in a heightened state of stress, um, I'm, I, the the thought. You know, like when when you go to say a new a new doctor, right? Often people uh, when they come to see us for the first time, right? They're sort of anxiously waiting in the waiting room, and five minutes can feel like a really long time, right? As you're waiting for the provider they've to come out, they've been blinking a lot. <laughs> then they've been blinking a lot, right? So during that time, right, time seems to go really slowly. Um, so when and we also know that when dopamine is really high, right? Time is perceived to slow down, and when dopamine is really low, time is perceived to speed up. So one strategy, um, in addition to just like having a particular focal point. So let's just say you're trying to sit down, you're trying to study for something that's going to be time intensive. Uh, for the first like thirty seconds to a minute, if you just Focus on something, you know, about arms length away, maybe maybe half arms length away, somewhere in there, uh, for that time frame, and then you kind of force yourself to blink a little bit more rapidly. Uh, that can increase your dopamine levels and increase your capacity to to focus. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because I remember in my residency training, uh, one of my mentors pointed out that a lot of people with uh, psychosis and uh, when they're in a, an acute psychotic. Uh, Episode, uh, they will actually blink, blink uh, more rapidly, more frequently, and uh, it, it, so we do see that association with dopamine and blinking because that's one of the underlying issues with someone being in a psychotic episode is that they have too much dopamine being released in certain parts of the brain. So that connection with blinking and dopamine makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then the last one we wanted to talk about was just mindful. Based practices, and so Dr. Barnes, why don't you cover this one? Yeah, so basically, one of the challenges uh, with uh, focus is actually either getting into our head too much and thinking about way too many things, or just like being distracted by this, this, and this. And so, when we talk about mindfulness, it's actually slowing it down. It's bringing it to the present moment, and also even in the present moment, focusing on one particular thing at a time. And you know, a simple example of this might be if we're taking a walk, like, okay, well, instead of just like me looking all around and looking at this and that and think allowing my thoughts to drift here or there, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, your mind's gonna be all over the place. Just being present in the moment, looking at one thing at a time. Oh, look at that bird over there. What color is the bird? Let me listen to the to the way the bird is singing. Um Oh, look over there. There's there's a flower. So you're you're really being present in the moment. You're noticing things. So the more people practice that mindfulness, being present in the moment, uh, the more it allows our attention. We're, we're essentially practicing paying attention. Mm-hmm. And anything that we practice, uh, we, we get better at. And I think that's a really wonderful way that God's created you know, our brains that the more we repeat something, the more we practice at something, even if we're not good at paying attention, we can actually get better at it over time. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to add to that, Jonathan? I think that was sufficient for today. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you to our viewers. I hope this is very informative. Don't get too overwhelmed by all the options with the apps. Uh, like Jonathan said, you know, really start with those areas that are going to be the most effective where you're lacking the most and then, you know, go from there. But 
just start with with one app and uh, see how it it works for you. If it doesn't work, you can try something else. And if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this: if mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Bynes. Now I'm Jonathan Edens, and you've been listening to the, the Brain, Brain People, People Podcast. Podcast. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 